Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Before we get started here today, I wanted to tell you about the relaunch of AndroidJobs.io. Android Jobs is a job board that I launched many years ago, and I just recently relaunched it with a brand new design and on a brand new platform. If you're looking to hire an additional Android team member, or you know of somebody that wants to hire an Android professional of any sort, that includes developers, designers, anything of that nature, then please let them know about androidjobs.io. All job postings are free at this time during the early release phase. Eventually they'll be paid, but right now they're all free at the time of this recording. So please go to androidjobs.io and you can post a job for free. Or if you're looking to see what other jobs are available, you can also go there and plug your email address in and we'll start emailing you here very soon, letting you know weekly about the new jobs that are available on androidjobs.io. Again, check it out at androidjobs.io. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Today, we are missing Kaushik again, unfortunately, but hopefully he'll be back with us soon. Lots of stuff going on, lots of good news that I'm sure he'll share when he gets back. But until then, I uh, have another guest today. And today we're talking about a topic that's really interesting to me, and I think a lot of people will find really interesting in general. And that topic is around a growth mindset and having a growth mindset, why it's important, how it can help you, and so forth. And and this show, I have my friend Alan on the show to join us. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. So we have been uh, friends on Instagram for quite some time and chatted numerous times about all different types of things. But one thing I've always noticed is our conversations uh, always kind of revolved around just a very similar mindset. And that seemed uh, seemed to be relevant for what we're talking about today. And you you mentioned, hey, it'd be great to talk about a growth mindset. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny because I don't, rem- I, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, how did we start talking? Like, what was it that got us going? And I, I can't even think of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I think it was, uh, well, first you do a lot of really good content on uh, Instagram around Android development, tons of great carousels and reels and stories. So for folks that are interesting, check out the show notes. There's a link to Alan's Instagram. Uh, be sure to give him a follow over there because there's tons of great content. So that's why how I originally had found you. And just from looking at the, you know, I don't know how you had found me, but anyway, when I found you and then um, I had posted a couple of times about going out and just doing just like hard things. And I think I had like a, a weight vest on and I was going for a walk on a weight vest and you asked me like, Hey, where'd you get that weight vest or how much was that? And then that's right. Yeah, we just kind of conversated about like that. I'm like, oh, someone else is interested in this weird demonic thing that I do of like torturing myself all the time. Yeah, because I think what ended up happening is I was, it was last year and all the gyms were still shut down. And my gym was sending workouts through um, uh, Sugar Wad. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I want to do something different because I, you know, you go to the gym and you have dumbbells, you have, um, you have everything, but I didn't. So I was like, all right, I want to add something in to make this harder. And I saw the weight vest and I'm like, I'm considering that. And 
your recommendation actually got me to get one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's sitting in my uh, my sunroom right now. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. So, have you used it that much at all, or what? Yeah, I've used it uh, several times to go on when I go out for good long walks because I'm like, I just got to get outside and I want to make it a little rough on myself. Man, it is good though. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's crazy how much is something small like that you can throw on and then it just adds to the just the intensity of it. Even if you're just walking, it can be super intense just to add that. But and it really kind of plays into the topic today of mindset because a lot of people ask me like, why are you out doing this? Like, what are you, like, what's the point? Like, yeah, it's fitness, it's course, but it also kind of plays into, um, the, I have been doing a, a program called 75 hard for over a year now. And, um, the real thing and the reason why I'm doing that is mainly because it's a, almost like a mental toughness program and it's show me ways to, to grow and just having a weight vest on just, it's one of those things that for me, pushes me mentally because I'll be honest, most of the time, I don't want to go outside and put a weight vest on and go for a walk. I just have zero interest in doing it. I don't even want to go for a walk. In fact, I got to go do it a little bit later today and I don't want to do it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> But the thing is, I know it's going to be good for me. And um, exactly, I think that you've, we've kind of talked about that a little bit before. And so let's talk a little bit about the growth mindset in general. Um, in your opinion, what do you think the growth mindset really is? So a lot of it, it's just a shift in the way that you think of things. Mm-hmm. Um, very often, we end up in a situation where something goes wrong. Yeah. And we look at it and we're kind of like, all right, I suck. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This situation is hard. Um, I'm just not good enough to be able to do it. Yeah. And that, and then the like growth mindset is just, taking that narrative that you're telling yourself and completely flipping it on its head mm-hmm. and saying, all right, I failed here, but what can I learn from this? And yeah. what can I, how can I grow from this so that the next time that this type of a situation happens, I'm not going to fail or I'm going to fail less at it or uh, just things that it's like, okay, what can I learn from what's going on right now? And how can I challenge myself to learn as well? And that's basically where I kind of look at it and where I go with uh, a lot of things. And it's funny because, so we have, we tend to have like a negative bias. I don't know if you ever noticed this with yourself, but I've noted, like I, I have noticed it. And we end up fixating on the negative aspects of things. Mm -hmm. So taking this like right to programming, all right, you put up a PR, cool. You you, you create it, you do everything, like you're really happy. Or uh, then someone comes in and makes a comment on your PR and says, hey, you need to change this. Yeah. Instantly, your mind goes to to the negative, like, oh my gosh, I'm horrible at it or I'm a terrible programmer. And this is definitely very true for new programmers. Like if, if, if this is your, like your first job, this is your first uh, PR up, I guarantee you that the, the first thought that usually runs through the, that new programmer, their head is like, holy cow, I suck. I'm awful. Or, or if you're like a, uh, um, a seasoned programmer, like what can kind of run through your head is, well, who are they? Who are they to tell me what, 
to do? Who are they to tell me how to change my code and things, things like that? Like that is the negative bias that our head that we tend to have because we immediately switch to the negative. We immediately look at things in the in a bad light. But the growth mindset is basically to sit there and say, "Hey, well, okay, there. This is my first PR, so." What can I learn for the next time I put up PR? Mm-hmm. Or if you're the seasoned programmer, like, okay, cool. What can I learn from what this person is trying to help me uh, know and understand and and uh, move forward with and make make it better next time? Mm-hmm. The negative bias thing is interesting, and the way you explained it with a PR, I find it very interesting too. Because I've uh, depending upon what mindset you have, and I, you actually sent me an image that I'm looking at now, and I'll put this in the these show notes too. And it has two like heads facing each other. One says fixed mindset and has a bunch of quotes in it. The other one has growth mindset with a bunch of other bunch of quotes in it. And they kind of juxtapose the two differences. And when we take into consideration the the PR example, I've been in both those situations where it's like, oh, well, I'm being challenged and I've been doing this for so long. Like, what's going on? And then you also have the other side, which you could be in the same exact scenario. You could be someone with a lot of experience, but have the growth mindset of like, oh, Okay, why are they making these comments? Okay, maybe I'm not seeing something that they're seeing. Okay, this is maybe an opportunity to improve. This is an opportunity to learn. And one of my clients did that uh, a number of years ago. The goal that they had was that every developer had to have their first pull request up within a week of joining the team. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so... Yeah, it was, it was good. And we eventually reeled that back to, I think, a day or two. Like, we really wanted people to just sit down and be like, okay, your first PR is happening. Now, it didn't matter if it was updating an SVG file or whatever, but at least you're able to walk through the process. And I remember my first PR I put up there, and it literally got decimated. And I thought it was really good code. Um, but everyone was just nitpicking on it just to say, look, here's how we can improve. Here's what we might want to do different. Or what about this edge case? And what it did is initially I approached it as the negative bias fixed mindset, like feeling attacked a little bit, like, oh my goodness, like this doesn't feel fair. Like why are people being so mean? And unfortunately, a lot of people feel that way about PRs. If it's not smiley faces and everything, they get really upset about it. But if you just Actually, if you just change your mindset from a fixed mindset, in my opinion, change it from fixed to growth and be like, okay, what are they trying to say? And as long, of course, as long as someone's not saying like, this code is stupid, like, why would you make this dumb mistake? That's bad. Don't do that. But if you approach from that growth mindset, then you can start realizing, hey, oh, here's the things that I can improve upon. And that's what I ended up doing is I immediately switched over and said, oh, all right, this is how this team does it. And I was able to walk away learning a lot more. Uh, and then as each subsequent PR happened that those issues became less and less though. They never stopped. There was always room for improvement. (laughs) (laughs) It never stops. That's the funny thing. Like it's like, even as you said, generally that's, I I like the idea of trying to get, when when you join a team for the first time, I really love that idea of trying to get your PR or your first PR up within a very quick amount of time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have been on teams where I didn't put up a PR for a long time. And then Thing, it was kind of like, all right, I wish I had known all of this before, like weeks ago when I was still working on the commits and everything. And it was kind of like, all right, that that was a very good learning experience. And yeah. so now I try to do it where I do it like very quickly because the great thing about doing that is we, with that growth mindset, you're able to sit and uh, learn and adapt to that 
team. Because mm-hmm. so that kind of leads into a whole other topic. But there are briefly there are about four stages of teams, and I can't remember the guy who came up with it. I think his name was Tyler B. Cannon. Okay, uh, he came up with it in the nineties. Um, it's called and they, it rhymes. So it's forming, storming, norming, performing. And there might be a fifth one. But anyway, like forming is obvious. Mm-hmm. Teams coming together. Storming, everybody's fight like butting heads with each other. They're sitting there like, I want my, I want it this way. I want that. Like the the be- best argument is tabs versus spaces. Like, spaces. <laughs> <laughs> when you get programmers together and they're they're storming, they're storming about tabs versus spaces. Uh-huh. I we all know this. We mm-hmm. we see it. But then there comes once that storming phase passes. Once we, you get past that, you end up in the what's called the norming phase. When you're getting to know each other, you're getting to know your um, ins and outs. Like how do you like to program your, for example, uh, Slack etiquette? Like you learn Slack etiquette from each other that way. But then once you get past the norming phase, that's when the team is like really performing and everything. And kind of pulling in the whole growth mindset uh, idea is you can't really get past that storming phase unless you are trying to sit and learn and grow from one another. Because at that point, if you just keep your fixed mindset, you keep that like, hey, I don't like the criticism that you are giving me then you're not really going to be able to get to that performing. Mm-hmm. And you want your team to be performing. You want to be performing as a team because that I've been on some really awesome teams. And when we're performing, it's so much fun. It's just like, it's awesome. Yeah. When you can be on a team that has a high level of output, it pushes you to become a better, a better developer uh, and to, to ship more things. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have been on a team where the output was just uh, insane. Now that does come with a little bit of downfall too, because you can get a little bit of imposter syndrome too. Yes, <laughs> because uh, everyone is putting out at a, such a high level. You're you're thinking like, wow, I, there's no way I can match these people. But it also has a side effect of of almost lighting a fire under you to to learn and maybe realize, hey, maybe I'm not doing something that everybody else is doing, or or something like that. And there's been many situations where uh, I'll do something and all of a sudden I'll realize I've been doing something wrong for years. And literally that happened this last week. I was making a thumbnail for one of my YouTube videos and I've been using Photoshop since version two, since nineties. And every time I needed to cut a, you know, a person out of a photo and have a transparent background, I did it with the eraser tool. I just zoomed in 1600% and just dragged around it and then eventually cut it out. Well, then all of a sudden one day, like, I realize that there's all these online tools like background remover and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? That's got to be in Photoshop now. And of course, I just Google it and there's a video and someone shows me how to do it in about six seconds in Photoshop. And it's better than what I can do and by hand. And I remember it just earlier this week doing it and then just kind of sitting back with my hands in the back of my head being like, oh my gosh, I just saved or have been wasting hours of time, hundreds of hours of time. But it's just, just I, didn't, I didn't know how to do something. And you just have to approach it like, what else? Is there something I can learn here? Is what I'm trying to get at. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny because like those, those eureka moments, I think that's what they're, they're, they can be called. And those are crazy. I All right. So 
you and I probably haven't talked about this, but I just started doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, like back in February. That's so, humbling. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> done it, I know. <laughs> it's, so, it's so humbling. <laughs> and I was going, uh, we call it rolling for those who don't know. It, it's sparring. It's just going and, and trying and doing, uh, going against each other and practicing and everything. And I was doing something and this guy just showed, he showed me, so we were, we were done. Um, and he had me in an arm bar, which again, for those who don't know, arms straight out. The whole goal is basically to try and break the other person's arm by using, uh, by going against the elbow. <laughs> we're going all over the place. <laughs> um, but he got me and I couldn't, I didn't want. I uh, didn't quite know what, how to get out of it. Afterwards, he showed me. Oh yeah, you just flip this one way, and I was just like, oh, like boom! Everything went off like light bulbs. Everything. It's like holy cow! I can't believe that. It's it happens in everything. Everything that you 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 do. It you can be doing it for years and years. You could be doing it one way for years. And then all of a sudden somebody just shows you one little tweak, one little thing that changes it all for you. And it's just like, it's a whole new world at that point to uh, throw in a Disney reference. <laughs> there is, it is a whole new world. And it, it's easy to, to rope that back into software because back when I started developing, uh, I had been programming for about seven or eight years uh, initially. And then one day I was working in a client and I didn't really know any design patterns at the time. And one of the senior folks that I worked with said, Hey, we're going to do this new thing called dependency injection. And I was like, what is that? And then he shows it to me and everyone who's learned dependency injection has been through this kind of like phase of like, this is overly complicated. Why would I ever need this? This is like, not cool. Like, ugh. And then all of a sudden you start realizing the testing benefits, the decoupling benefits, the everything that comes with it. And I remember that having that light bulb eureka moment where it just sat back like, oh my goodness. Um, but then for me, that was a moment where an entire world opened up because it's like, oh, I've been doing the software thing, like cowboy coding it, just throwing, hacking it together. And then I went and bought, bought the books and those books, I mean, they still, still keep going. There's still more to read. It's nonstop. <laughs> Never ends. Yeah, never so, ends. It's funny because like that. That is um, so. One of the you mentioned my Instagram profile all and posts and everything, and like one of the most common requested things that I get. And there are other people who who post on Instagram, and they I guarantee you they're getting asked these questions too, and they, because they've talked to me about it. What is dependency injection? Like, can you create a post on Dagger? Can you create a post on Coin or um, uh, Hilt? Like, it's all that, and it's like okay, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll explain it. I'll put it out there. I'll put it there. And they'll be like, why? Why are we doing this? I feel like this is overly complicated. It's like, trust me, bear with me through this process. When you get on the other side, it's going to all make sense. And it's usually, it's always very much like what, what you described because like I was the same way. I, so I got introduced to Android development probably 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, marshmallow, uh, yeah, marshmallow days. I can't remember when that came out now. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> and it was funny cause like I got a job at this one company who I'm, I had no business working at that company, none whatsoever. 
because I was brand new to Android development and they were like, all right, we need Android developers. You're a Java developer. We want you to come. Mm-hmm. And they took a risk on me. It's like, all right, cool. Because I could, I could have been, I could have, it could have just gone over my head and not even worked out. And yeah. but they took a risk. And then they put me on one of their flagship products and they said, don't worry, you'll be fine. You've got these awesome developers. And I did because these two guys were amazing. And they like I they started showing me dependency injection. And I was just like, this is so complicated. What the heck? And it wasn't until like probably three, four months into the project when I really realized the power of dependency injection. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until like 18 months after that when I was doing some uh, working on another project. Actually, it was probably a little bit longer. Another project. And it really dry, drove it home. Um, so one of the hardest things to test is time. Testing time is a pain in the butt. You, like You know this. And... I, I was just like, how do I test this? How do I create a unit test where time is going to be, uh, what do you call it? Um, like your advanced Deterministic. Yeah, deterministic. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I knew it was going to come. And I realized, and, and this is also kind of like the power of Kotlin too. I realized with Kotlin and Dagger, you can inject lambdas. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So... I created a Lambda function that just calls local date dot now. And mm-hmm. that just changed everything for me. Everything. And it, it like, and I showed it to my team and they were like, Oh, I can't believe you found that. I can't believe we, it works. I'm like, I know. I can't believe it works either, but it does. It was hilarious. But it's just, it's the way the, it's the way the byte code works. It's the way everything works in the background. And it's awesome. And it's amazing once you kind of start wrapping your head around all those different things. Yep. When, yep. Um, what got you into the growth mindset and the kind of the topics or even kind of digging into it or finding out about what growth mindset is? Was there something that kicked it off or what was your impetus? So it's funny. So that one company that I was working at where they kind of, they took the risk on me and they were introduced me to um, Android development or they didn't introduce me, but they really helped me grow with Android development. There was this coworker who became a friend of mine there and he kind of was going through a hard time as um, a new programmer because this was his first job out of college and he was getting very frustrated with his work and, and, uh, his um, the tasks he got frustrated very uh, with bugs and things like that very mm-hmm. readily. And one day, it was kind of like a one day thing, but it's re- it really wasn't. It was just more of we realized it one day that something had changed about him, and mm-hmm. we were kind of like, "Dude, what's going on? Something's a little bit different about you. Like, you're you're now walking in here with a smile on your face. You're you're joking with us more. You're laughing about things with us. You didn't used to do this. What, yeah. What's going on? And turns out that he read a book about growth mindset. And mm-hmm. I really wish I remembered the book. Um, I, it it might have it might be something else, or it might be have been somebody um special. I don't remember. And he just started telling us about growth mindset and looking at thing and looking at things as learning opportunities and just completely it completely flipped his attitude on everything. 
excuse me, um, completely changed everything. And we were like, tell us more. Mm -hmm. We wanted to know, we wanted to see, because it's kind of like, why, if it can take someone like you who, who was pretty upset about things or got easily just uh, frustrated with stuff, then what, what was it uh, that caused this? What, where were you? And so we started looking or he started looking into it and he introduced it to the entire company. And so then that started changing the uh, company around and it, but it really didn't sink into me until later. Um, so after that company, I went and I did freelancing for a while and I was working with this one client and I was getting pretty frustrated myself with the work, getting frustrated with the client, getting frustrated with what was going on. All like things were constantly changing. Things were uh, there was constant feedback of "Hey, we need to change this," or "No, you're wrong. We need to be doing it this this way." Things like that, or at least I should say that's how I was perceiving it. Because mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe it, maybe they were giving it to me in a way that I that I shouldn't have been perceiving it that way. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening is the project manager ended up sitting me down because I was getting like in a really foul mood that day. And he sat mm-hmm. me down and he's like, all right, dude, what's going on? Cause this ain't my first rodeo. You, I wouldn't be here if this was because it was a very important client and everything. And I was like, look, dude, I, I don't know. And I walked away and I started thinking about it and I realized I've been a pill to these people. I've been, a pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it was just like, wait a second. Are they really like after me or they, or is it more of a, I'm just looking at it that way. I'm just perceiving it that way. And it kind of brought back this friend of mine at the pre at my previous company. And I realized, well, wait a second, I need to sh- sit and shift and have a shift in my mindset and a shift in my idea of what's going on to actually be able to continue to work. Mm-hmm. with these people because it was getting to a point where it was like I, I couldn't really like I didn't want to continue and that's not, that was that's not good as a freelancer because as a freelancer like you 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 live or buy you live or die by, by your clients and it's yeah. like I don't have anybody in my in my queue waiting for me so I got to make sure that this works and by sitting there just sitting and starting to realize for a second well hey they're giving this feedback because they do know better than me on design. They know better than me on what the client needs and things like that. And so I said, all right, I'm going to start actually listening and learning from them. And that's when it really like started getting driving home that thing to, that uh grow the idea of the growth mindset to me and just over the years as I uh, since then I've just done everything I could to try and practice that every everywhere I go. Every PR that I put up, every time I'm sitting on the phone with a client talking to them, every time I'm talking to my product manager or my project manager or anybody, just like always trying to look at it like, all right, what can I learn from this person? What can I, what, what is, can I take away from this conversation? And mm-hmm. it just, I don't know, it's <laughs> really made my life a lot easier. <laughs> the big, you know, I think it is. And from my experience as well, is it's a, well, it's a mindset shift, but it's a completely different way of, uh, of approaching life from everything could be a learning experience, even to when bad things might happen that you don't expect, which could be, you know, losing a job, losing a relationship, losing 
you know, your car gets stolen. I don't know, whatever. There's an opportunity to learn something there. And I think a lot of people really do have a hard time accepting this. Like let's use the car being stolen for an example. Like what can you learn about your car being stolen? Well, A, it sucks. That's terrible. Um, And I'm not trying to say it doesn't, but hey, all right, why was my car stolen? Okay, maybe I need to learn more about the neighborhood in which I'm in right now. All right, is this place I should even be? Okay, what if it's where I live? Oh, okay, does that mean I need to get more involved maybe in the local community chapters to make sure that there's policing or something like that? Or, oops, did I just leave a whole bunch of electronics in my car and leave it unlocked? Like, what's what could be something that can be learned from that in, in regards to software? There's so many things that you can learn. We've already talked about pull requests and just developing software in general and then listening to your client. I think it's a tremendous opportunity. And that kind of leads to the, the next topic I want to talk to talk to you about, which is, you know, what do you think is some of the ways that a growth mindset can help software developers in general? So yeah, we definitely just we we before we do that, I do want to um touch ba- touch on something that you yeah. mentioned I- about the like your car getting stolen. We're not talking about sugarcoating things. We're not no. talking about sitting and looking at it, at it and being like, oh, well, the world's all going to be nice and pretty and sunshine and rainbows and all good things. It, it's, it's definitely not that. It, it's an acknowledgement that, hey, something bad happened or something terrible happened, but l- l- shifting it and saying, okay, this terrible thing happened. How can I, what can I learn and grow from it? So it is, it's definitely not an optimism, positive thinking type of mindset. It's, it's completely different from that. So it just kind of, I want to make sure that that yeah. gets out because I know some people can, will can take that, uh, can somehow turn that and take that away. And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that because it can turn off people to it too. It's like, so yeah, the using it as a software developer, it's, we talked about PRs. That's one. Uh, others, it's just, it's also like everyday interactions with people. Mm-hmm. You can end up, so we 99% of the time we're a part of a team. And we're working with people day in and day out, whether that's a, a single one other code coder or developer, or it's 20 other developers, or it's you and a project manager. And that's it. Like mm-hmm. I've been on those teams before where it's just me and a project manager because project manager is the person who's interfacing with the client and, may, and deciding and making sure there are priorities. And so a lot of what you end up doing at that point is... Per people interaction, uh, interacting and talking to people and everything. And we can, we can end up sitting there with our ego going and saying, I know better than you. I know I'm the developer and I know better than you. Like if you're talking to the project manager, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you may in that, that one little area. And there may be this one thing that you really want to work on and you really want to go do. But the project manager is the one who's interfacing and interacting with the client and setting priorities. So what do you do in that situation? Well, you can look at it and you can sit there and constantly want to butt heads with the project manager and be like, well, no, I don't want to do what you're telling me. I want to go work on this. Or you can sit there and you can say, okay, why? is the project manager asking me to do this instead of the thing that I want. Mm -hmm. And that ends up kind of helping you grow. Like, so for me, one of the things that I had a hard time with as a new developer was 
very much focusing in on just the code. Mm -hmm. It's all I thought, all I thought about. That's all I really thought that I was there to do. But over the years, what I have realized is I am not just a coder. I need to be interacting and talking to the clients and not uh, and the project manager and understanding what the client needs and what they what they need, not necessarily what they want, but what they need. Mm-hmm. And so when I and, and the only way that I learned that and the only way that I realized that was interacting with those project managers and just sitting there being like, okay, well, how can I what can I learn from them yeah. and everything? And then you can even like you can take that to your uh, fellow developers. It's like you, if you mentioned imposter syndrome and everything, and like yeah, everybody experiences that at some point. Like you can be sitting there. Um, like I, I was uh, that first team that I was on where we were working. It was me and two other Android developers, and I could have sat there and I could have let like imposter syndrome come in and let me go because these two guys were rock stars, like amazing coders pumping out code all the time. And I was sitting there with my one PR a week because it was taking me forever to learn about something. It was taking me forever to learn like about fragments and things like that. But it's like, well, no. Okay. What if I, if I had stuck that with that and I had stayed with that type of an attitude, then it, I would, I would never really progress. Mm-hmm. And instead I look at it like, okay, what are these guys doing? That's different from me that I can learn from and start applying in my career as a developer. What, what are they doing? Like, okay, how is this guy? So for example, we, <laughs> we had like, um, you know, Facebook's shimmer effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, we were doing that, but we had to do it in a very specific way in a very specific pattern. And I sat there and I was not the one doing it. It was one of the, it was one of my teammates and he sat and, was trying to figure it out for a while and I was sitting there watching him and just trying to get a, a grasp of how he was doing it and why and what he was doing because this guy was a, <laughs> this guy's amazing he's he's very much very prolific uh developer very like every time I turn around he creates some sort of a library and he's posting it on uh, GitHub and everything it's it's crazy so anyway uh, so I'm sitting there like, okay, well, how is he doing it? Why is it? What, what's going on? What's different about him? And how can I learn from that and, and everything? And I just watched him do his, the math calculations by hand on paper. And like that in one sense drove home to me, hey, there are times where you need to be doing pseudocode. Like don't just sit down, sit down in front of the IDE and start typing away. Like yeah. there are times where you need to sit down and you need to write it out. You need yeah. to think about things. So that was like one lesson. Another one, he put up that PR. It taught me so much about the view lifecycle. Like, holy cow, he knew that stuff inside and out. It was awesome. And I just was able to learn a lot from that and be like, oh, okay, cool. This is really good uh, to, to learn from. And then even with on business aspects of things, like uh, one of the things, uh, so at a previous company, Sometimes the business development team, or what could be known as a sales team, would go and talk to developers and kind of get an idea of, hey, what what can we 
provide to this client? Uh, we want to win this client. What can we give them? Like, what's the latest and the greatest? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a great opportunity then for you as a developer, because if they come to you and they ask you that, yeah, sure, you could sit there and you could spout out all the technical stuff and then just leave it alone and not really care about it. But like, that's a great opportunity for you to be like, oh, hey, business biz dev is coming and talking to me about something, or sales is coming and talking to me about something. Cool. Let me let me see if I can get further in on this process, and then you can start learning the sales side of things, and you can start learning the business side of things, and getting an understanding of what's going yeah. on on there. Because, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, coding is a really good skill, but if you know sales and marketing. You're, you're never going to be without a job. You're never going to be without a client. You're never going to be without mm-hmm. anything because <laughs> you can start marketing yourself. And that's how you learn. That's how you start looking at um, outside, as how you start looking outside of the software development world. Because, like I said, I think we end up oftentimes as developers just getting our, letting, letting ourselves be siloed into software development. And for some people, that's great because you're a super talented coder and you're just never going to be without work or a job or anything. And But for most of us, it's like it gets frustrating because you end up in a situation where if you're just siloed as a coder, then you kind of can kind of lead to a little bit of a burnout because you get tired of coding and building apps and doing the same thing over and over and over again. But if we start looking at things and looking at our interactions as a way to grow and learn, we can move outside of just that silo and make our work more interesting again. Mm-hmm. That was a long <laughs> No, you're right. If you can look beyond um, just the code, you can do some amazing things with your career. And I attest that exact thing to uh, a lot of my success with a lot of companies that I've worked for. In fact, a lot of companies tend to work with me because, uh, as in their words, I think like a business. And when clients come to me, I want to know about the business. Like, what are their challenges? Why are they looking to hire me? Uh, And there's actually been a few times where I've had clients that want to hire me for, uh, you know, Android work or something. And I'll talk to them and realize like, look, you actually don't need me. Like, what you have is fine. You just need to go tweak these couple other things. The, the crazy side effect about that is, is like it shows them that I'm not just after the money. I'm there to help them. Yep. So what could have been like a three-month contract maybe turns into three hours of work. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And sometimes maybe I don't even charge them if it's like so like shallow of a you know an answer. But that shows good faith. And eventually those people remember that. And two years down the line, when they're at another company or building another product, like, oh, Remember that one time we called Don and he helped us with that one thing? Let's see if he knows about this. And then boom, you get a random email. And before you know it, you're on another phone call. And boom, you potentially have another client. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened just from exploring the marketing, sales, and et cetera side. And I'm not saying that you have to go be a master of sales, like not for a lot of people. But if you just understand what's going on and why they're doing something, you might have a solution that you can provide that's through coding that would benefit the company. Exactly. Uh, One of my um, CEOs, I don't remember if he was the one who came up with this phrase. He said, we need to be doctors, not waiters. And 
the idea is that a doctor comes in and so you go into the doctor's office and they come in and they see you and what do they do? They start asking you questions. Yep. They start getting to know you. They start analyzing everything about what's going on with any symptoms that you have. And they start diagnosing then at that point from what they know, hey, this is what you need. Mm -hmm. Whereas a waiter comes to your table and asks you, what do you want? So as client services type people who, who work in work with clients and everything, our goal and our job is to be doctors, to be going in there and assessing what does the client need and order and, and delivering what they need and not just saying, oh, you want an app? Sure, I'll build you that app. And next thing you know, they spend $500,000 on that app and it doesn't even bring them in any money and they just go sprite down the drain. Yeah. And you mentioned client services too. So folks that aren't familiar with that, that's maybe uh, consulting companies, agencies, freelancers. But this also applies to uh, to your full-time job. Let's say you work at a, a Fortune 500 company or you know, a small company too. The product owner, which could be a manager, could be your boss, whatever, that's really your client if you have a full-time job. And you ask them questions to get the same type of result. So it's just being inquisitive about about it. I like that. Um, one thing I want yeah, one thing I wanted to 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 do here with you is this graphic that you sent over is actually really good. And I counted the quotes. There's two heads here. So when you look at it on your phone or online, you'll see these two different sides. One's fixed mindset, one's growth mindset. Each has 10 quotes in it. I wonder if you could pull this up. I would like to play the side of a fixed mindset. And I'm just going to say one of the quotes. And I was wondering if you could play the role of the growth mindset to say what the growth mindset quote would be. Would you mind doing that? Yeah, yeah, I got it up right now. Okay, cool. So what we're going to do here is there's 10 quotes in here and we're basically going to juxtapose these. Um, and the reason for this is, is as we're going through this, I want you to think about, uh, the listener here, think about which one would you rather be? I'm going to have a fixed mindset. And so I'm going to say the quote that's of a fixed mindset. And then Alan's going to be in the growth mindset and he'll say the quotes of the growth mindset. And then by the time we get done with these 10 quotes, I think you have a pretty good idea of what mindset you would rather rather adopt. So you ready, Alan? Yep. All right. So number one, uh, first quote is, in a fixed mindset, I give up easily. And the growth mindset is, I like to try new things. Yeah, that makes sense. Second quote in fixed mindset is, my potential is predetermined. It would, ah, the response is, I can learn to do what I want. All right. So number three for a fixed mindset is, failure is the limit of my abilities. Failures offer opportunity and growth. So you can already see how like a lot of these are just diametrically opposed. Like one's, one's restrictive and one's very positive. All right. Number four, um, fixed mindset, my intelligent is static. But for a growth mindset, my intelligence can be developed. Amen to that. Yeah. All right. Next one here we have here. And this is going to be one, two, three, number five. Uh, I avoid challenges. How about I embrace challenges? Truth. I like that. Number six on the fixed mindset is I stick to what I know. This is a good one too. Um, I learn from feedback. Yeah. That's, that's like the PR thing right there, you know? <laughs> yeah. It really, it, like, it really hits home. It, it's <laughs> like I have to remind myself every single time. <laughs> Number seven on the fixed mindset is feedback and criticism is personal. Oh man, <laughs> we're getting really, we're getting personal here. For growth, I keep trying and never give up. Or wait, maybe it would be, uh, we'll keep going. I don't want to, because the next one's good. 
All right, next one here, which is going to be number eight in the fixed mindset. I will never improve. So I like, I like growth mindset right here because this one is big. I am inspired by other people's success. Yeah, that's good. Why are you? Why do you like that one so much? So I'm on Instagram a lot. Like I fully admit that. Um, <laughs> do we need to call somebody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there are times where I catch myself just scrolling and I see people and I see things and I'm like, oh man, that would be awesome to have. I would like to, I'd like to have that, or I would like to do that. Or Mm -hmm. I see other content creators and I see their follower count and like hitting up, going up. Like let's, let's take someone you had on recently, Philip Lochner. He's killing it. Oh my gosh. Phil's killing it. The dude just hit 100,000 subscribers on Instagram this week. That's wild. Congrats, Phil, if you're listening. Yeah, congratulations, man. That It's so cool. But exactly what we're doing is exactly why I like this. Mm-hmm. Because I could sit there and I could be like, man, I want 100,000 subscribers. I want to hit that. Or I could be sitting here being like, his, his success to getting to 100,000 is awesome. And it is. And it's inspiring because it's like, well, hold on. You go onto Instagram, how many other 100,000 subscriber accounts are there? There's probably a good amount. But mm-hmm. what, are they, what, what are their accounts about? Usually about them. Usually about pictures, of, usually fitness accounts, yeah, business accounts, mm-hmm. and design accounts, mm-hmm. and marketing accounts. Like all of those are very visual accounts. But in our world, in software, it's not a visual account. And so it is hard to, or sorry, it's not a visual medium. So it is hard for us to translate software into short, quick tidbits and quick things that we can throw onto Instagram that are going to be clickable and are going to be key, capturing people's attention. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Philip made it up to 100,000 using just software information is inspiring for somebody like me who does basically what he the same thing as him putting up android posts every day and everything like that is inspiring and that that's why i love this quote i am inspired by other people's successes yeah it shows you that it's possible and if you can use that to your advantage um it's just fuel that's why i see it okay so we got two more here um a couple of these haven't lined up exactly to be like the opposites, but I think they're still good uh, examples of a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So I think these other two might be in that category, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So number nine, I am either good at it or I'm not good at it. Yeah. I mean, this kind of lines up a bit. My mistakes help me grow. That's true. Yeah. All right. Let's just wrap up with number 10 here. There's no point in even trying it. How many times have you heard that? How many times have I said that to myself? That's the real, real wonders <laughs> one there. Exactly. Man. <laughs> but the growth mindset would say, I know this will help me even though it is difficult. Yes. Amen to that. It's like content creation. Like One of the big things that I, I some people will ask me about things like, well, how do I go? What do I do? How do I start? It's like, just start. Just start posting. Just start doing stuff. And one of the things about it that's awesome is it it is hard. Mm-hmm. But I think so, okay. We were talking dependency injection. We were talking about dagger. Well, I don't think I fully understood dagger until I actually had to teach it. 
And when I started teaching it on Instagram and trying to like really dumb it down to like the simple, most essential parts, I think that's when I really started understanding Dagger. Now, Dagger's a beast and there are certain aspects that I probably don't understand, but <laughs> I at least now know how to set it up from scratch. Well, that's the best way to, to learn, really. And um, I thought, when I wrote my first Android book over 10 years ago, I thought I knew Android pretty well. And then it wasn't until I got into it. I was like, all right, well, let me explain it. How would I explain this to someone who's never seen this? And then all of a sudden, I realized I'm 10 steps ahead. Like, whoa, I need to go back and explain these other nine steps I didn't even talk about. And when you teach something, it's going to be the best way you're ever going to learn something because you have to cover all the bases. So highly recommend that. All right, so those are the 10. Um, there's the you know the fixed mindset and there's the growth mindset that uh, Alan did. I think it's pretty obvious probably where you want to be. Uh, it's going to be in the growth mindset. It's more positive. You're going to have more opportunities. You're just going to find more doors open for yourself personally, professionally, in every area of your life. There's just opportunity. You're going to see more opportunity. We have a fixed mindset. It's like the world like almost closes in on you. It's almost like very claustrophobic. So that's kind of the way I see it. And before we get into some of the resources here, um, I wanted to cover some of the symptoms of that growth mindset might be something that you can benefit from uh, as a software developer. And so I'll kind of just list some of these out. And if you have a couple, then feel free to hop in. One of them is just not enjoying what you do. Uh, eventually, if you just don't enjoy what you do, you kind of have to question yourself, like, why am I doing this? Uh, is there something I can learn from this? Uh, or is there a way I can flip this on its head to make it enjoyable? Another one is you have constant burnout, uh, which is boring tasks in general. So whatever you're doing, you're just not really, I mean, it's very similar to the same one, but you are really burning out, not getting anywhere with what you're doing. Again, this could be other symptoms of burnout, but this can be a symptom that you need to adopt a growth mindset. Another one is frustration. You're just finding everything that you're working on frustrating. It's This goes back into some of the quotes we said, like, I'm either good at it or I'm not. Uh, I'm just going to stick with what I know. Uh, I don't. This is too hard. Stuff like that. So if you find yourself getting that way, these are all good examples of uh, being stuck in a, a situation where a growth mindset might help you. Do you have any um, areas that you could think of that might uh, that people might know? Yeah. And so one thing that occur, uh, is avoidance. Yeah. Like you start recognizing that you are avoiding things. So let's say you have a. Uh, you're, you have to have a conversation with your client over something going to be delayed. Are you avoiding that conversation? And if so, why? Yeah. But the best way to uh, get over the avoidance is kind of looking at it like, okay, how is this having this conversation going to help me? How is it going to make me better? Mm -hmm. That's that's definitely something I noticed a lot for me when it came to fixed mindset and growth mindset is I start recognizing when I'm avoiding things. And if I'm avoiding something, that means that is something that I have to face and I have to do. Yeah. One of the very similar to that is, um, to me is the victim mindset. And that's just like, why is this happening to me? Why is this, why is this going on? Or this person or this situation caused these things to happen? And it's a very victim mindset approach, but there's always ways where you can flip that on its head. Yeah, it might not be enjoyable to do, but there's always an opportunity to learn. So, well, Alan, this has been fantastic here. There's a few resources um, I wanted to to cover. Um, did you have any resources you wanted to share first before I hopped into mine? 
Yeah. So you know what? You talking about that just actually reminded me the I get to do things. Instead of I yeah. have to do things, I that's, get to do things. That's great. You remember who that's from? No, but I know I should know this. Yeah, you should. Goggins. Yes, that's right. <laughs> David Goggins, toughest man. What was his book? Oh, you can't, can't hurt me. me. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to add that to the list. Oh, yeah. That is, and you recommended it to me for one, and you recommended to me the audio version of it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So if you oh. haven't listened to David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, we'll link it in the show notes. You can buy the, the physical version as I, as I recommended to Alan, and I recommend to everybody who gets into David Goggins' stuff uh, or reads his book. Just do yourself a favor, even if you're not an audiobook listener, listen to the audiobook. And the reason being is I've never seen an audiobook done this way. He basically has a narrator read it, and the narrator is really good. But then at the end of every chapter, the narrator stops and is like, and he'll say something like, oh, Goggins, that was crazy. Yep. And they're in the studio. And then Goggins just hops in and like freeforms it. And he'll just pepper in all these additional details and they'll talk for like five or 10 minutes. It's like bonus material on each chapter. It's just so good. It is awesome. Like you, you're just, you're not just getting like the dry, this is what happened thing. You're getting the, the raw, this is what I was going through and this is my mind. And then you get ex- so many awesome extra stuff from it. Like some of his good stories. It's, it is so cool. It's been one of the, it's probably my, that book is definitely my top five favorite books. It's uh, just for, I mean, that one just helps with mindset and just like human potential and what, what you're capable of. And we think we're, I love his 40% rule, which for those of you that don't know what it is, he uses it in the fitness regard, but you can think of it in almost anything. And the 40% rule is, and again, this is a fitness, you know, uh, connotation. When you think you're done, like I can't do anymore you're probably only at 40% of your real capacity. And it might sound crazy, um, but on personal anecdotes, I've tested this in the gym multiple times and I'd have to say it's dead on correct. And uh, oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And it, you, like applying it to programming or applying it to work, it's there are, there are times where you, you sit there and you're like, all right, I'm done for the day. I'm done for the day. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you need to just take five seconds and catch your breath and then you can move forward. Yeah, sometimes just going for a walk helps. So, oh yeah. All right. So, there's a couple more uh, resources here. One is um, it's called it's a book called Mindset. You know, fitting by <laughs> Carol S. Dweck, and I'll put the link in the show notes. There's two versions of this book. I've listened to the original one, and I just found the new one today, which is actually a few years old. But I did buy oh, yeah. a book a few years ago, so I got to listen to the new one. But the new one actually has more good reviews, and I guess it's like the second edition. So maybe check that one out. But Carol S. Dweck is the, this whole book is literally a deep dive into this topic of growth mindset. So check it out. And I found out that book from Tommy Bilyeu, who I'll link his Instagram account. He's got a million followers on Instagram and he is the founder of Quest Nutrition. So if you've seen like the Quest protein bars and chips, uh, he's the guy who started that. So that's a fantastic book. Have you read either one of those? No, I haven't. Or I haven't read Mindset by Carol Dweck. I, I, that one is familiar to me because I've, excuse me, I've seen it like, you know, you're walking through uh, Barnes and Noble or mm-hmm. I was going to say Borders, but Borders is defunct. Yeah, they're gone. Jeez, man. <laughs> 
and I've seen it in like those uh, on those tables where they sit there and they say, "Hey, these are really good psychology books." I'm like, "Oh, that looks interesting." So I may have to go pick that one up. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's um, it was long, but it was good. And then the last one that I recommend everyone read is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Now, some people are going to who have list who have read the book have said, well, hey, this is a, you know, it's a very toxic book. It's not a toxic book. It's a book about just evaluating how you can turn each opportunity into a learning experience of like, all right, this happened. All right, I'm going to take ownership for that happening. And then once you do that, you figure out ways to not let those things happen again. Could be through systems, could be through whatever. And it's just a great book on accountability, which essentially helps you with growth mindset. Yeah, I love the story that they open up that book with because it's just like, it's awesome. It, it shows you exactly everything. Like we were talking about the symptoms of fixed mindset and he he hits all of them in that first story in that book. And it's like, just amazing. Yeah, that was a great one. You can either read or listen to that one. They're both great. So anyway, um, Alan, we're approaching an hour here, so we're going to wrap it up. So thank you for hopping here on the podcast and joining us. If folks want to get a hold of you, what's the best methods to do so? And we'll put the links in the show notes. I actually just have one link and you, you, you'll probably laugh. Uh, follow Alan.online. Follow.Alan. No, follow Alan.online. Okay. All right. F, uh, so Alan is spelled A L A N. And like, there's so many ways people <laughs> spell it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll add that to the show notes and then folks can just click that link and I'm sure they'll find all the magic at the end of the rainbow there. Alan, thanks for joining the show today. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. It was good talking with you. Definitely. Folks, appreciate you joining the show and we'll catch you next time. Hey folks, before you get going, don't forget to check out androidjobs.io. All job postings are now currently free during the early release phase. And if you're looking to see what other jobs are available, you'd be surprised at some of the jobs that are out there. Almost all of them are remote friendly, tons of great companies posting there. You can sign up and get notified of new job postings on a weekly basis. Check it out at androidjobs.io. Thanks. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.